God made you to be you. Whatever identity that God has given you as that's growing and building, becoming who you are in Christ, that's you, and you need to bring all of you to your marriage to have a thriving marriage. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. And happy new year, everybody. Happy New Year. All right. So, Brian, you're not all into New Year's resolutions. I I like to set goals for myself, which is very characteristic of myself. And what we're really looking to do is see what we can do to get onto some military bases to do some presentations to help military marriages. So we'll be pushing uh, forward towards that and and happy to visit you guys there. And I'm all for setting goals. It's just the New Year's resolution, I think, is is silly. It's like, set your goals at the right time. And sure, okay, it's a new year um, and people are oftentimes groggy and not really coherent after their champagne toast and they're making the New Year's resolution to lose 10 pounds by the end of January and then they're eating a whole chocolate cake by January 15th because they haven't eaten anything since New Year's Eve. So it's just, I think it's good to set goals. It's just, I don't know, I think they're kind of the, the right, new right goals at the right times. I, I'd say so. And I'd say kind of rolling, though, into a new year, it, it's good to really set out for yourself, what is this next year going to bring? So there's a lot that we don't have control over. What we're choosing to think about is always something that we do have control over. And a lot of that comes into what our identities are. Absolutely. This is a good time to as a couple, talk about, okay, what are some of your goals for the year and what's that one step you want to take to be closer to a thriving marriage this year? So I think it's it's a good marking point to make decisions and talk about things. I just, I think the New Year's resolution thing just gets silly. But yeah, identity is such an important part of marriage. When we get married, our identity changes, right? Oh, it, it, it does in the respect that you're part of a couple now, a married couple now, but at the same time, you do have that individual identity and you want to make sure that that doesn't get lost. Right. You know, before we got married, we were Brian and Jen. Now we're the Harveys. You know, and when people refer to us, you know, even when we were dating, it's like, oh, Brian and Jen, Brian and Jen. But then the Harveys. And of course, people refer to us by our first names all the time. But we have an identity that is two people in one relationship, in one, and yet, we still need to maintain that identity. And it was interesting. Um, one of the podcasts I was interviewed on was particularly curious about this topic and asked us to talk more about it because so many people have this temptation to let the identity as a couple mm-hmm. overwhelm their individual identity. They're they so much a member of, or I'm the Harveys or the Smiths or that they lose who they are as an individual because they're so, it's so much about the family identity, living up to some standard or being what this family is without thinking about who they are, their core identity. And that identity is just misplacing where that identity actually should be, which is who we are in Christ and who we are as that royal son or daughter adopted by the graciousness of God, that, that's our, what our identity is and should always be in rest on. Because if you're getting caught up in, you know, my identity is actually with my family, my spouse, and my kids, or people are 
getting wrapped up in more external things like what their favorite sports team is or the school that they went to or a community that they're a part of or a club that they're a part of that can lead to a lot of problems. And I'd say, especially with the sports teams, there's going to be a lot of highs if your team's winning, lots of lows if your team is losing, but you, you're always going to be that ever accepted, ever loved, ever connected if you're always using that identity and who you are in Christ. Absolutely. And I do think there's a slight difference, though, with identity and marriage versus team, because that can become idolatry. Always. Right? Oh, sure. But God Can't says, well, I suppose, but there is something about in the Bible where we become one. Mm-hmm. So you leave, the man will leave his father and mother and the two will become one flesh where it's not like that. I think you could make an idol of your spouse or your marriage, but it's not the same as having your identity in whatever sports team, because at a spiritual level, our identity has changed. Sure. So, I think that we've got to be careful to acknowledge that there is a marriage, a couple identity, but that doesn't eliminate the individual identity. Rather, you add to who you were before marriage, not subtract from. Oh, very much so. And that's another um, temptation, right? People, Mm -hmm. I'm going to suppress my identity for my spouse. And this isn't suppressing for the marriage itself, but the other individual, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm not going to have an opinion. I'm just going to whatever your opinion is. That's the opinion that I'm going to go with, whatever you want and stuff like that. And that's another temptation that can really create a problem in a marriage. Just to, to almost be too easygoing where it's like, I'm I'm just going to lose myself and just kind of get wrapped up in whatever my spouse would want. Or I think the flip side of that would be, I'm going to be really crazy domineering and, and I'm going to come in and I'm going to conform my spouse to myself. Absolutely, absolutely. And the the one where you're kind of fading away, sometimes that gets that masquerades as humility. Mm-hmm. It's like, "Oh, but I'm, it isn't." It's not humility because it feels good or you don't want to have the issues and you're letting your pride get in the way of dealing with real conflict and actually becoming the person and the couple that God really wants you to be. And then on the other side, that domineering that's, again, pride. That's, okay, I'm going to control this. And I think what's tricky about that is if you are the one who's receding, then you are creating the opportunity where someone's going to feel like they have to be domineering. And vice versa, if you're domineering, you're creating the thing where the person's going to have to feel like they're receding. And so you have to have two whole people strong in who they are coming together in one identity as a couple to really Mm -hmm. have that experience. When I officiate weddings, I like to talk about the fact that really a marriage is in some ways a picture of the Trinity. We get to show the world something of the Trinity and experience something of the Trinity because two individuals become one Mm -hmm. couple, just like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit have eternally existed as one God but individual people. They're one, yet three persons. It's not 100% the same. I know that. But we get to experience something of that, of being one couple, yet two individuals. That's a beautiful thing that we get to display to the world. And we have that responsibility even of showing something of what God is like by showing that we can be one couple, yet two individuals at the same time. Yeah, that, that is a really beautiful picture of a marriage that we're able to, in that very small way, 
reflect what the Trinity is instead of being the three-in-one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that triune God. It's the husband and wife expressed in that oneness in, in marriage. Yeah, and the last podcast we talked about, we talked about gender roles and how that works out. But even in the Trinity, they've got their own roles and their own identity, each person in the Trinity, while being one God. And if you don't mind, Brian, I'll, I'll kind of set us up here in the book of Jude. It says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, maintain yourselves in the love of God while anticipating the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings eternal life. Yeah, you see in that verse, each person in the Trinity has a different role, a different responsibility, and it doesn't make them less God, and their identity as persons in the Godhead isn't diminished by being God. Oh, no doubt about it. And I'd say just starting with God the Father, of course, he's the creator, he planned redemption, and ultimately sent his son into the world, and that's in Ephesians. And then Jesus accomplished redemption. We look at Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. The redemption of humanity was actually accomplished through the son coming to earth, being born of Mary, suffering and dying, and dying Mm -hmm. a real death, and then resurrecting to new life, and inaugurating the new kingdom, and then ascending back to the Father and the Spirit. Absolutely. And coming in right behind that, last but certainly not least, is the Holy Spirit, which gives us that new spiritual life as described in Gospel of John chapter 3 and certainly outlined in the um, New Testament otherwise. And this is just a small sample. We're just giving you an idea of the identities of the three persons fulfilling their roles in the Godhead. There's a lot more. We're just talking about redemption here. There's so much that you can just read through the Bible and you see them having their own identity, having their own personhood, yet still being one God. And that never changes. Like Jesus sitting down at the right hand of the Father, it's different because he's sitting in a different spot, but it's, it's designated and it's where it needs to be. And then Jesus saying, I am sending that helper, that paraclete, that Holy Spirit to be with you. And it's going to be even better to have a Holy Spirit with you than it is to have me with you, which I don't understand, but thank you, Jesus. Right. And there's so much that we're never going to fully understand. In marriage, we get to experience something of it. We get a taste of it. We get a little bit of experience because I know for me, my identity, again, was added to and became different, became bigger, became better when we got married. And it's grown as we've grown together through our marriage. Our identity as a couple has grown and changed as well to become more of the identity that God created us to have. Right. But I wouldn't want a marriage or our marriage to force you to lose the uniqueness of yourself because I married you because I wanted to be with you. So, of course, we're going to grow together. There's going to be changes that are going to happen, but I don't want to lose Brian. Well, and I think you make me more me through what God is doing in me, though. And I'm more of the man that God wants me to be because we're together. You know, we talk about in the book that the goal of marriage isn't happiness, it's holiness. Mm -hmm. God is using you to make me more holy because you see me in all of me and you can encourage me and inspire me in the good things, but you can help me see the bad things and change them and correct them. 
yeah, as iron sharpens iron, I think that that's a, marriage can even be an example uh, of of that in that we're coming together and we're seeing each other at our best and our worst and encouraging each other along as we're growing, growing closer to God and then growing closer to each other. And like you were saying, we value each other's identity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just we're this one identity that's just kind of merged into some amalgamation of a new person like some sci-fi movie, but rather we've got this one identity, yet there's two individual people. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that team, Team Harvey or the Harveys, as you put it. Right, exactly. And of course, now I've got my brain is going through all the different iterations of two becoming one in sci-fi movies, and I'm this could this could go bad. So let's just move on to the next. Yeah, that one. that just sounds a little scary, Brian. And that <laughs> that's certainly not what God intended there. Not so, not sci-fi in general. Thank you, Star Wars, but. You know, okay, but I, I guess what I mean, Firestorm. They're not, is, they're not monsters. Ooh, Firestorm, Firestorm's cool I like though. That. Firestorm's cool though. But anyway, sorry, nerd. No, no apologies <laughs> necessary for talking about Firestorm in a podcast there. But I'd say talking about that individuality in marriage, when we're talking about Genesis 1 and just taking it all the way back there, God said, let us make humankind in our image or mankind, if you like, depending on your translation after our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over the earth and over all the creatures that move on the earth. Our cat would disagree with that, but our cat is not a biblical scholar. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Yes. God made individual people to be individuals. Mm -hmm. God made you to be you. Whatever identity that God has given you as that's growing and building, becoming who you are in Christ, that's you, and you need to bring all of you to your marriage, to have a thriving marriage. You can't let your identity be diminished because you got married. Everything you are is who God created you to be. You bring that to marriage, and then those things that need to be the rough edges that need to be polished off— that's how you work together as a couple. If you remember the movie from the 80s, Coming to America, and they did a sequel on it, um, which was only funny if you'd seen the first one and grew up. But anyway, um, at the beginning of the original Coming to America, there's the prince, um, played by Eddie Murphy, has brought his bride. And this is an arranged marriage in some fictitious African country. And this woman comes in and he wants to get to know her. They're trying to build their relationship before they get married. Smart. He's trying to get to know her identity. On a good path, Eddie Murphy. So then he asks, okay, well, what's your favorite food? And her response is, whatever you like. What's your favorite movie? Whatever you like. She had no person. She was a complete blank slate. Oh, no. And we don't want to, no spoilers for if you want to see the Coming America sequel, but that whole blank slate, ultimately, he's just joking around. It's like, okay, well, you'll do anything I say. And yes. And so he's like, okay, hop on one foot. So she hops on one foot. What a problem. And then, oh, bark like a dog. Arf, what? Arf, arf. And then the last time you see her in this movie, she's hopping on one foot, hopping out of the room. Arf, 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 arf. You know, there's just no identity of her own. She had already decided in her mind that her identity was going to be formed 
by the person she was marrying rather than having her own identity. And that's just not going to last and it can't. That's going to provide for a miserable marriage ultimately because maybe that can be faked and worked for a little bit. But if you feel so suppressed in who you are, even if you're deciding to be recessive and kind of give up who you are, that's just ultimately going to suffocate you. But it did make for a funny movie as Prince Akeem went to New York to try to find a bride and tried to figure out what life was like in America. Babe, it's fiction. Fiction is funny. Fiction is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, but all of these movies and TV shows, very much not a good example for how to have a biblical marriage, a godly marriage, as we had talked about in the last one. Absolutely. And so it's important to bring your identity, to bring who you are. But how do you maintain that identity? Because let's just be honest. It can be tempting for many people. It's tempting for me to allow my individual identity to be suppressed into something that I'm not because it, there's some simplicity in that. There's some false spirituality that comes from that too. It's like, oh, this relationship and who I'm married to, I'm trying to be godly. And I have. you can have this false spirituality of being humble and subservient rather than bringing who you are to the marriage. So what are some ways that we can actually bring our whole identity to the marriage? Well, some of it is we talk about embracing differences, but what I really want to emphasize here is this should not be about embracing bad habits. Okay. Ooh, that's a good point. That's so a good point. we want to say, okay, w- there are differences that, that we have about each other. This could be preferences. I'll tease Brian because I am not into country music. I would say that that's a bad habit, but I know in reality it's not a bad habit. It's just I, It's actually, I'm trying to work on her holiness on that one. Give me time. Oh, boy. Give me time. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it, it, there are going to be differences. As Brian talks about a lot of times, we're unique people. We're even as a married couple, we're going to view the world through our own separate specific lenses. And sometimes that can make it hard for us to understand how other people would view the world differently. And that would include our spouse. But I would say that I wouldn't want somebody to say, well, I have a bad temper and that's just how I am. And that's just who I am, because that's something that you should be cooperating with God to have God come into your life and work on that. So don't say, I have a bad temper, but my spouse doesn't. That's a bad habit, and you get to work on that. Absolutely. There are things that are just ungodly. If it violates Scripture, if it's not making you more like Jesus, then it's something to be changed. But we do need to acknowledge, and not just acknowledge, but celebrate the fact that we're different. You, as a woman— experience the world, people interact with you differently than they do with me. Mm -hmm. And there are times when that perspective is important. You bring your experiences, everything that you experience that is different from me, you bring it to our marriage. And we need to acknowledge that. And we also need to identify the strengths in that. Oh, very much so. So acknowledging differences and then just kind of finding out what the strengths are. So I'd want to identify what my strengths are, but I also want to be able to talk with you and identify what your strengths are and then we can share that because you might see some things in me and I might see some things in you that might not be apparent to the one that, that we're talking about. Absolutely. And those strengths and experiences come from our differences, you know, mm-hmm. even looking at even relationships because of how people relate to me differently being male versus you female. You've been able to point out things to me and I've been able to see things like, wow, I didn't realize that that was a thing that was a reality until you pointed out. And likewise, I've been able to point out, I mean, like sometimes we're talking about your cases Mm -hmm. and you'll be sharing an opinion about 
someone what's going on. And then I'll be able to, well, what about this and this? And it gives you a new perspective into your case that has been able to help work through that. Oh, and it's very, it's very helpful. And I would say also the law is still a male dominated profession, you know, not knocking that, but certainly saying women welcome, please come in uh, to the profession. I remember as a young attorney, I'd been in practice a couple of years. I was down at court on a litigation case and I was there with my boss who was a guy and we really needed to, at the time, just kind of technology wise being different than get a document sent to a client of ours that we had just gotten. So what I did was I knew a court officer who was a male and it was these deputies and it was like a posse of five of them. And instead of my boss walking over to them saying, hey, your office is here. Can you fax this document to this number? He said, hey, Jennifer, turn on your Jennifer Harvey charm, go over to those sheriff's deputies (laughs) and get that faxed over. And I did. But that was, again, just that difference, men versus women and one woman walking into this group of guys. Can you please help me? And it ended up working out and we got what we needed for the client. Yeah. So the key to that is really and when maintaining your identity is identifying those strengths, knowing your own strengths. Or identifying, hey, what are these social, there, there are the strengths, there are also the social roles and what can you do to maximize positive things ultimately for the couple? We need to identify them. We need to know what those are. You need to talk about them. You need to be clear about, hey, I see this and this is how we're going to operate so that we can move forward. It's really important to just know what those differences are, identify the positive aspects of it that you can move forward. There's a pastor who, um, when he talks about staffing, he always says, play to your strengths, staff your weaknesses. So the idea is, okay, here's the things that you're good at. Now hire people that are going to do the things that you're not good at. We need to identify in each other, in ourselves and each other, what are those things we're good at? Mm -hmm. And we need to know that. And one of the things that might be helpful to you, this has been somewhat helpful to Jen and I, is the Gallup Strengths Finder. There's a book, you can go get the book. And then when you buy the book, you also get access to their Strengths Finder. You go take one of those ubiquitous um, temperament um, surveys. But this one really focuses not so much on are you introverted, extroverted, things like that, but really focuses on more obvious things that, hey, how you process information or things that you do that you're strong in, that Mm -hmm. you excel in. And we encourage you, that's helpful to just have that conversation. You may agree or disagree with what StrengthsFinder finds, but you can have that conversation. It's a good starter to talk about what are you good at? What am I good at? And how we can we use these together? Yeah, and I think the test is like 20 bucks per person. So I think that's well worth it. That said, when you take the test, I wouldn't want it to be something like a husband saying, hey, wife, that's not actually your strength because it's like, wait a minute here. It may be and have her give that that feedback because maybe she's been holding out on you or similarly has the husband been kind of feeling like well i i haven't had to use the strength in the marriage but the marriage might be better off for that strength being used it takes courage it takes courage to step up and say no this really is or i don't think this is me at all because sometimes even having the conversation that strengths finder may come out and could see something in your spouse and like no that's not me but then you have the opportunity to speak love and life into your spouse say no this really is you matter of fact Look at this and this and this and how you excelled because of that. 
Oh, and that just speaks life into a person. Right. And so encouraging differences is the next thing about when mm-hmm. bracing differences, maintaining your identity. You want to maintain your identity, but also encourage the identity of your spouse. And to do that, encourage those differences. Encourage the things that are different and activate those for your marriage. Because it only makes the marriage better and stronger. And sometimes these are aspects that you're going to be able to use not just in in your marriage, but be able to use in your community, be able to use that that in your church because it's like, wow, I didn't know that that was a tool that I had or a strength that I had. And how do I invest more in that? Because I'm now understanding that this is an aspect of how God has created me. And what can I do to to maximize that? That's part of what we do to help each other become more the people that God created us to be. Strong marriages build strong families that build strong communities. When you together are encouraging each other's differences, when you're speaking life into each other, when you're identifying um, and saying, okay, here's what's different. And let's just first acknowledge the fact that you and I are different. Mm -hmm. And it's good. Oh, very much so. It can be weird sometimes, though. I mean, again, you don't like country music. That's weird. Come on now. (laughs) There's just, there's differences and we have to acknowledge them. And sometimes, unfortunately, when we're dating, we put our best foot forward. We're trying to impress the other person and we're trying, rightfully so, we're looking for the things that are common. Mm -hmm. Jen and I found commonality in theater. That's true. We both love theater. We both love performing and we did that together for a number of years. And so a lot of time when you're, before you're married or early on, you're trying to find those similarities, which is important. But to have that thriving marriage, you also have to acknowledge, hey, we're different. Mm -hmm. And that's good. Right. And not to extinguish or belittle or do anything that would somehow squash that individual individuality of your spouse, just really embracing your spouse, who they are as a gift from God, nothing that's objectified, right? They're they're not an object kind, kind of gift like you getting a sweater, but God is giving that gift to you. And this is a fellow heir with Christ. This is someone else who is a uh, son or a daughter of God. Yeah, and just very practically also, guess what? When you got married, you just got a bunch of extra strengths that you didn't have before. Oh my goodness. So Jen is an achiever. Jen gets great satisfaction from checking things off her checklist. I hate checklists. Making a checklist is just a thing to put on a checklist and it just annoys the heck out of me. I can't do them. You will lose the checklist. I will lose the checklist. Yeah, don't even bother because it's good. It's going to get lost. And I will accomplish something and I will put it on my checklist and then check it off if it wasn't already on the list. I got problems, my friend. Yeah, she, she will actually, hey, I just did something <laughs> that wasn't on my checklist. So I'm putting it on my checklist so I can check it off to have that thrill. But here's the thing. Brian face palms. <laughs> so Jen, here's the thing, Brian. Jen is an achiever. I achieve more because I'm married to Jen. And that's just true. This podcast, our book, the things that we get to do together, so many things in life, my military career, different things that I've been able to achieve are because of you. But there's so many things that you bring to the table just with some of your strengths of the intellect of being and just being curious about gathering and getting information that is just an amazing addition to our family and our ministry. And that's how it works. And that's how it's going to work in your marriage too. You're going to have a thriving marriage, but maybe that one step you need to take maybe is 
acknowledging, hey, we are different. Maybe it's recognizing those strengths, or maybe that one step you need to take today to have a thriving marriage is just taking the time to speak life into your spouse and encourage them, say, hey, this is one of your strengths, and you're awesome at this. I love you for it. Thank you for making me better because you have this strength and we're married. And also, thank you for being you, and thank you for all of the strengths that you bring to us because that makes you better that makes our marriage better, that makes our family better, that makes our church and our community better. Thank you for joining us on the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. We want to be a part of God's plan for marriages to thrive around the world, and you can help us do that by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast on whatever service you use. As an added bonus, if you subscribe or review, you'll be entered into a drawing for a free copy of our book, Operation Thriving Marriage. You'll get an additional entry into the drawing if you share your thoughts on social media about the podcast with the hashtag Operation Thriving Marriage. We have another opportunity for you to help your marriage thrive. We are hosting a special intensive marriage retreat at the beautiful Richard Bush Renewal Center in mid-Michigan. This is an opportunity for us to spend time with you personally, developing the skills that will help your marriage thrive. We'll talk about enhancing communication skills, conflict resolution, and building intimacy in your marriage. As an added bonus, podcast listeners will receive a 10% discount. All you have to do is mention the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast when you register. This retreat is limited to only nine couples, so make sure you register soon. For more information, contact us at our website, OperationThrivingMarriage.com. We look forward to meeting you in person.